0: Are back companion episode number two <laughs> even though we kind of took a cop out on this one we did but i think we have something to talk about i mean i think what we decided with our companion episodes is these are episodes that we don't lean as much on reference material as we do just you know our own opinion yeah
1: exactly this is kind of us just talking about topics of true crime in movies and media more or less all right today so we didn't watch anything specific to talk about we watched stuff all the time but we didn't watch anything dedicated to talk about so today we said that we're going to spend time uh, on our companion episode talking about some recent movies that have come out or that will be coming out
0: soon and you know in the spirit of true crime of course uh the two that i um i'm interested in talking about one of them is already out, and I just watched it. Both are by Christopher or Christopher. Ugh. Both are by Clint Eastwood, uh-huh. and both, uh, I think, were directed and produced by him. and one the one that I really liked, which was the mule, he was the star of, in which he starred, uh, he, he portrayed a 90 year old drug mule war veteran, war veteran that was the drug mule for the Sinaloa cartel and that is a true story okay so is, we talked about it and i wasn't sure if it was a true story but it is a true story it's a true story okay. Uh, okay. you can look it up online um you know the the nice little gentleman oh uh, okay. i'm showing Brittany a picture right now um leo sharp was his name and this was a real story and i i really you know I love Clint Eastwood uh, for a lot of reasons, and there are some things that I don't really like about Clint Eastwood, but political issues aside, I think that he's a good actor. I am amazed that he can direct and produce movies that he's acting in and starring in. I'm not sure if I'd be able to do that, but I also appreciate his style because he's not, um, I think when he, I don't consider him to be, and I don't, and please nobody take this the wrong way, but I don't consider him to be a real director when it comes to, um, for me, a cinematic approach. Okay. He really focuses on the characters and, and the people involved and lets them lead um, the visuals. And that's Fine. Fantastic. When he has done movies where he's, you know, had to create this, you know, visual environment that was very inspiring or broad, he would frequently lean on his cinematographers to do so. And I think most directors should do that. But I really like those directors who have vision and all across all across the board. Um, the people who really have a very specific visual style as well as a character style. You know, when I think of those people, I think of like a David Fincher. Oh, yes. You know, who can paint a picture, who can paint a visual picture as well as an amazing character picture Mm -hmm. um and 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 those are great I don't think that Clint Eastwood's that guy or those one of those directors but I think that he's good in his own right and I like the way that he tells the story so when I watched The Mule I thought it was a really interesting movie first off he's I think Clint Eastwood's 90 or 89. Something, upper 80s at least. Yeah, something crazy. My mom is 85. My stepdad is gonna be 90 in January. I know what those folks who are that age, you know, how they operate, because I hang out with them occasionally. <laughs> it's amazing to me to think that he could be under the pressure of directing and starring in a film and producing a film at that level. Um, you know, my mom's day shot when she goes to the grocery store. Sure. So Sometimes my day is shot when I go to the grocery store. It's, you know, kudos to him. And i thought he did a really good job and you know for me when i watched the mule i thought it was really fascinating because i could see that happening i could see that's a real thing i could see an older gentleman who may be disconnected from his family who needed to do certain things and the only things that he could think of the ways that he could help would be financially and you know for him you know this random you know hey can you carry this package from point a to point b I don't think he realized until he was already involved that he was actually moving drugs.
1: I haven't seen the movie, but I, the way that the trailers presented it, I wouldn't be surprised. And I also wouldn't be surprised that someone of that age might be aware, but might not want to know specifically. It's uh, ignorance is bliss. As long as I don't know, I can't do
0: anything wrong. Exactly. And and it's an interesting cover if you're talking about, you know, drug mules, because, you know, who's going to suspect a, a, a gentleman or a woman at that age, you know, moving drugs? I totally exactly. get it. So the story, it's, a. I I really like the movie. It's a little slow. It's a character piece. I really like it, but I would suggest you watch it. It is a true story. So there's a book about that, um, about the story. And it's pretty fascinating. Um, You can definitely check that out. I will tell you the name of the book that it came from because I really thought that that was interesting. Okay, well, you look that up. I'm going to share my opinion.
1: All due respect to Clint Eastwood, I have tremendous... uh, Sorry, you have the title? No, go ahead. Okay, I have tremendous respect for him as a filmmaker, as a director, as a producer, as an actor. But that doesn't mean I particularly like his work. I know. He is... I feel like every time... All of his characters are the same. He's always grumpy. He always has an attitude.
0: And... Because usually he's the star. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. No, no, he's usually a grumpy old man. yeah, Yeah, exactly. That's kind of my issue
1: is that he's always a grumpy old man. Yeah. And most of his movies follow the same story arc. They are different topics, but I feel like I can tell you the different points that are about to come up because they follow the same arc. And that doesn't make them bad movies. A lot of times they're actually good movies. Mm -hmm. It's just that I feel like when I'm watching them, I could already tell you the plot points that they're going to hit before they start because I've seen so many.
0: Yeah. Yep. I agree. So the mule was based on a, um, was a screenplay written by Nick Schenk, and it's based on a New York times article called mm. the Sinaloa cartels, 90 year old drug mule. Wow. That's crazy. Which is very self-explanatory. Yeah. Um, but you know, again, if you, if you like Clint Eastwood and you like sort of this rambling character story through the desert and you know, I mean, he's driving all over the place. It, it, it is pretty interesting. I totally agree with you though. It's, um, you know, Back in the day, movies were a little more gentle with their approach. And, Uh you know, I think that we may be a little jaded because we're so used to watching movies that have so much action and so much information happening and the pace. Because I feel the same when I watch um, an Alfred Hitchcock movie these days. Oh, yeah, yeah, Is that it's kind of grueling for me. I love it. (laughs) I do, too. But, man, they kind of move slow. Well,
1: it does. And I don't mind movies that move slow that are character portraits. And I know this isn't a movie, but it's my all time favorite drama show, Breaking Bad. I don't. Have you, I don't think you've actually watched Breaking Bad. <laughs> I have not. It Breaking Bad to me also a quote unquote true crime. Which by the way, an article just came out either this last week or the week before about two high school chemistry teachers that cooked meth. In the same vein as Breaking Bad, exactly like Walter White, so much so that one of the teachers referred to himself as Heisenberg, which is what Walter White calls himself. Oh my god! So, but it, so it kind of is life imitating art there. But it's it's a slow burn, particularly mm-hmm. in the first season. It takes a while to get going. But the character study is the greatest I have ever seen, so I don't mind that as long as there's enough other stuff to keep me entertained.
0: Well, I think with Breaking Bad, and I haven't watched it. I watched, I did watch a couple of episodes. It didn't really, you know, captivate me as it seemed to others. And maybe that's because I didn't invest enough time in it. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, there was stuff always happening in Breaking Bad. Yeah, you know, you've got a character study plus. Sure, and that's yes. what was really interesting about it. So, the mule, you uh-huh. know, Clint Eastwood. So my next sort of movie that I'm interested in seeing as I compare these two and think about what the future could be for Clint Eastwood and the movies he's doing um, is the new Richard Jewell movie that he's got coming out. And, you know, I'm sure everybody remembers, you know, this essentially the security guard at the Atlanta Olympics who found the green sack and called attention to it and. Many people were injured, but he supposedly saved a lot of people. And uh, then, of course, they did a—they pivoted pretty quickly, and he became a suspect. And it ultimately really ruined his life. It was really sad. Um, he died at age 44 did really? natural causes. Oh, I didn't realize that. He was a diabetic. Um, oh, but, I you didn't know, know that. It's sad that, and I'm not sure how old he was when the uh, Atlanta Olympic thing happened. I'm sure we could figure that out. But, um, you know... It, it, how sad. Yeah. How sad that the person who went in and saved the day then became the suspect. And I think that happens on occasion. Um, wasn't there one situation where, you know, these guys ran in, there was some police issue, or a guy ran in to save somebody, and then when the police got there, they shot that guy, and he was the one who was saving people. I don't know. I'm, I'm sure know it happens. that's probably
1: a real-life story. He, uh, Richard Jewell was 36, by the way, when the uh, Atlanta bombing happened. Got it.
0: So really, eight years later, not that long. Yeah, not that long later. Yeah, it was really sad. I remember that all happening and going down, and it was really, uh, man, once you're ostracized in the press, it is over, and you will never redeem yourself, no matter what proof comes out that you weren't involved.
1: Well, if you are not familiar with this story, I encourage you to look at it. The Olympics tragically have... A history of terrible events that have plagued them. Oh, my God, yes. Uh, You have the Munich Games, which was awful. And there's actually a a really good movie about that. Less about the actual events, more about the aftermath. I love that movie. It's really good. Steven Spielberg movie. It's fantastic. It's a really good movie. Uh, But this movie, it... It captured the world stage because, of course, the Olympics, while well, being held in Atlanta, in the United States, it's not an American event by any stretch of the imagination. It's mm-hmm. a world event. Exactly. Uh, and if you don't know the the details behind it, to what Sonia was saying, a green satchel package was found at the Olympic village and this man, Richard Jewell found it. He was a security guard. He found it, tried to push a lot of people away. It was a bomb. It detonated. It injured. And I don't know
0: if it, did it kill anybody? I think it killed a few people and it injured like a hundred. Yeah. I think a lot of people. It was a
1: lot of people. And I thought a few people died from it. So it was a major worldwide tragic event. And He was instantly
0: identified as the suspect and the culprit behind it. Yeah, I think it was three days after, you know, the event. And then three days later, he he found out that he was that suspect. And it was really brutal for him because, again, the press just um, was it was really awful. And the person who, you know, the savior. within a 72 hour period became you know the the lead suspect and the entire world because of the olympics was focused on him it wasn't just the united states and um you know he really just like i said never recovered from that but the interesting part of that movie and i'm hoping that that's you know conveyed by clint eastwood is you know how that went down and and the nuances with it you know we talk a lot about true crime. We talk about, you know, the cases, we talk about the police and how the police, the investigations went. And it's usually one extreme or the other. Uh, it's either, you know, they go really well because the police are competent and they are familiar with the normal process of investigation. Now, I'm not saying that the, you know, that folks who aren't familiar with the process are incompetent, but there's definitely something to be said for uh, familiarity with the, the normal forensic process. I And I'm sure in these small, you know, towns, you know, this doesn't happen very often. These kinds of things, uh, you know, again, they're unfamiliar. They're just so shocked that they that is actually happening to them. Right. But remember, this is Atlanta. This is not a small town. And this is not
1: I don't think this is an attack on Atlanta, like I said, or maybe even not necessarily an attack on America. It's an attack on the Olympics, an attack on the world. Well, did they ever figure out who actually did it? I am looking right now to see if um, let's see of course he was exonerated. I don't know <coughs> if they actually found out
0: who uh, who did it or not um, seems like somebody would have wanted to uh, claim for that claim that if, well, they, if it was an act of terrorism yeah exactly and that's why I'm not sure if it was um, well. It, okay. Terrorism. Sure. In and of itself. It's, it's, it's terrorism. Yeah.
1: Right. Now, whether or not it was, like I said, like we were saying an attack on America, an attack on the Olympics, or was it just an attack for attention's sake? Yeah, but they didn't, but they didn't get
0: any attention.
1: Whoever did it didn't get any attention. I know. I'm uh, I'm on Wikipedia right now. That's crazy.
0: So what are your but movies? Yes, yes,
1: There was a there was a man. Uh, Eric Robert Rudolph was actually found. He uh, so he. Uh, uh also bombed an abortion clinic and a lesbian nightclub in Atlanta.
0: Oh, Jesus.
1: Yeah, yeah. So this guy, is uh, he was prolific. There's a
0: lesbian nightclub in Atlanta?
1: Oh, at least there was. Okay, well. Uh, um, huh. But uh, one more thing on Richard Jewell before we jump <laughs> onto mine. That seems very specific. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I know. But, I mean, if it's an abortion clinic and a lesbian nightclub... In the Olympics,
0: See, he hates
1: women it sounds, who may be athletes? Uh, strong, independent women, maybe. Good Lord. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but it, one the, the most fascinating thing about Richard Jewell, he went from within, for three days, he was a hero. And then the narrative switched instantly. Mm-hmm. And everyone picked up on the story that he was guilty. He was the bomber. But there were three sources that were the first to publish it. It was the New York Times, NBC News, and uh there was a third one and i'm totally forgetting uh that essentially so nbc news it was i think was it tom brokaw that broke it and the new york times and this other newspaper had a uh, had headlines that all came out simultaneously now literally within minutes other news sources started to report it also oh
0: yeah because they use their sources as their sources and it just carries on exactly but
1: richard Jewell was successful in suing the initial news sources for libel great uh We haven't seen the movie. I don't want to spoil anything for anyone that doesn't know this story, but I think it looks really good. Even though I'm not a fan of Clint Eastwood, I remember this vividly happening,
0: so I'm very curious to see it. Yeah, I would have been. This was '96. That's correct. So I was still in Florida, and I would have been moving to LA in the next three years. Okay, so I All do right. remember this happening, and I remember feeling for this guy. Yeah. Um. You know, it was. If you missed anything within those three days, you were like, "What the heck just happened? Yeah, All of a for sudden, sure. this guy, and now not again." And right. Um. He was. A, a, what it was apparent to me is he took it really hard obviously, because he took a lot well, and, of pride in his job.
1: And he should have. I mean, he was accused of trying to murder hundreds of people. Yeah. All right. So the title that I'm really excited about, okay. and I'm going to leave politics out of it. I, I, don't, I don't like to talk about politics, even if I know that the politics I'm talking about are shared with the people I'm talking to it I about. Agree. But <laughs> the movie I'm excited about is Bombshell the Fox News movie about the sexual assault allegations against Roger Ailes and Bill O'Reilly and the culture of sexual assault at Fox News. Now, it is... <laughs> that's the worst part of Fox News is that... Well, we're leaving up. politics aside. Okay. Even okay. if we may agree on things, we're I not talking you. about oh, that. Moses. But... If that is the worst thing, that's a bad thing. A culture of, of sexual harassment and sexual assault is a terrible
0: thing. Well, didn't that kind of start with, uh, you know, the the leader or the head of Fox? Yeah, I mean, Ro- well, Roger Ailes, he was... I thought Murdoch was involved somehow, too. Uh,
1: well, Rupert Murdoch, I don't think, has ever been charged with anything. He, so, Rupert Murdoch is the head of News Corp, which is the parent company of Fox. Right. Which now is partly owned by Disney but also still partly independent and Fox News is still part of Fox and not part of Disney. Got it. So Rupert Murdoch is still the head of News Corp which still is uh still owns Fox News. Mm -hmm. So the the movie is a narrative biopic. It's not claiming to be 100% factual because the three main stars are Charlize Theron, Nicole Kidman, and Margot Robbie. Margot Robbie plays a fictional character. She plays an intern that is meant to represent the generic woman and the generic female experience at Fox News. Charlize Theron. Uh, plays Megan Kelly, and Nicole Kidman plays Gretchen Carlson, two high-profile women who spent years of their career at Fox News who who came out with uh, claims of assault and harassment by Roger Ailes and others. I don't know if they came out specifically against Bill O'Reilly, but Bill O'Reilly was part of Mm -hmm. the conversation as well, and of course lost his job at Fox News. O'Reilly's off doing whatever Bill O'Reilly does. Roger Ailes died uh and this all came about within the last couple of years as part of the me too movement time's up movement so i'm really excited about it Mm -hmm. because i think it's going to be politics aside i think it'll be really interesting to see the depiction of how of the culture of a major news entertainment organization and how Women are or were treated. Mm -hmm. Whether or not this is a true factual movie or not, I think it's probably going to hit on a lot of things that a lot of people have experienced. And whether or not it's true to the specific events, it's talking about i think it will probably speak very accurately to the way a lot of corporations in general and specifically in the media have been running the past and my hope is that it will bring things to light even more than they already have in the last two or three years and continue to usher in change yeah
0: i hear you who directed
1: that movie? Uh, Jay Roach, I believe. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, Jay Roach directed it, and... Uh, Jay Roach is usually comedic. Exactly. So, yeah, he did uh, uh, Dinner for Schmucks, The Campaign. Oh, I love Dinner uh, for Schmucks. He's yeah.
0: married to a bangle, isn't he?
1: Uh, maybe. He also did uh, the Meet the Parents movies and uh, Austin Powers. <laughs> I know. He, uh, let's see. I love Dinner With Smoke. Yes, yes. He is married to Susanna Lee from the Bengals. That's right. You are right. So, yeah, okay. To your point about Jay Rose being usually a comedic director, yeah. I'm kind of excited because this is a very serious topic, but there could be a lot of kind of entertaining moments of levity and lightheartedness to it that will make it possibly more palatable also. Oh, it's going to be littered with sarcasm. I'm sure it is. I'm I'm
0: excited about that. Exactly. Because I think that's really, you know, speaks to the frustration of women who have been in the media for so long. And we've actually gotten used to this kind of treatment. Unfortunately so. When you and I talked about it, you know, because we work together and we've been working together for a number of years. So when the Me Too movement really started, you and I, you know, and, and all the things that we heard about this, more than on one more more than one occasion you and I sadly said to each other well this isn't not new information no. for us this is I mean it's it sucks that when we've talked about it and we talked about it a lot yeah we always go back to well this isn't new information for us No, you both of us have our own stories uh-huh. we know other people who have had their own stories and their own issues and um you know it's so commonplace and we we've known for so long that it's happening um you know it's just frustrating to think that we ourselves became so desensitized to it that we allowed it and I take a bit of responsibility there for myself on that one because I feel like that there were things that I probably could have done but um you know none of us in the time thought that we had any power to do so
1: well I think that's exactly I think that's such a key point I think particularly where I am now in my career and I you know better than anyone where I am in my career I don't consider myself at a high power level by any means but I feel like I've gotten to a point where I would feel much stronger and independent about standing up to things that I probably didn't feel comfortable doing before absolutely and yeah I I, I I'm sure that's accurate and I think I mean let's, let's quickly talk about there were two people when accusations came out One, the highly publicized Harvey Weinstein. Mm -hmm. I think both of us were like, uh, yeah, uh uh-huh. Duh. Yeah. Um, Really? Is anyone surprised by that? And then there was another one that I'm not going to mention because it kind of, this person, I think, has kind of been disgraced, but nothing severe has happened. So I'm not going to drag this person's name in the mud. I personally have never had any negative experiences with this person, but I've had, let's call them interesting interactions that when it happened, I was very much of the opinion like, oh, yeah, I totally believe this person is capable of exerting his will and exerting his power. Didn't come as a surprise at all. And you and I have talked about Mm -hmm. a lot of other people that you have personal experience with Mm -hmm. and heard personal stories about. Yeah. It's tragic, and I'm glad it's been brought to light. It's really unfortunate. It took this long and people seem still seem so surprised about it.
0: Well, that's. Oh, that's what's crazy. But the people who are surprised about it are the people who've never had to deal with it. That's true. You know, because if you've, had, I mean, if you're in the industry at all, then you've heard or you, you've seen it. Um, I know exactly who you're talking about. You probably they, We've do. talked about this person, and it is really sad to think that the only thing that happened to them is they were really disgraced and pushed out of the business. Right. The other sad thing to me about it is this was a person, in my opinion, who was incredibly talented. Yeah, he was. And it's so sad. He makes that some they, really good movies. I still enjoy his movies. I, but, I can't watch anymore. But I it was
1: just going to say every Every time I see the logo come up, I immediately get a bad taste in my mouth and have to have to really make a decision. Is this a movie I really want to watch now?
0: I don't think we're talking about the same person now we that might, I... Maybe we're what? not. <laughs> we'll talk about it off air. I'm not... I I don't know who would have a logo that I would, like, be oh, able to attach to that. No, I'm talking... Well, now I'm... Okay. Okay. Well, well, we'll you can note sometimes. Yeah, we
1: will. I'm, out of respect, I am not going to share, but there are plenty of people out there who you could probably guess as to who we might be talking oh, about. Oh, yeah, for
0: sure. And I think what's really coming out now, because, you know, the Me Too movement really started um, as a female movement. Is, yes, definitely. What I think that still, you know, if I had to predict new information coming out in the future, it would be about the 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 other issues that have happened on, from the, the male side, uh-huh. because there were a lot of young men who were also taken advantage of uh, in that same Time frame, right? And I don't think enough has been talked about there. And I think that there's still a lot of people in power who are influencing that. Okay. And I hope that at some point that conversation starts to happen or becomes more open. I know that it's, um, you know, especially. I mean. Hollywood is full of homosexual men, no doubt. And that's fantastic. But what I think is hard for some men to talk about, and, and in general, is just the, 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 content, the concept of rape for men in general. It's just challenging for them to talk about because they're so embarrassed about it. Um, so it's not as, um, they're not ready, they're not able to communicate about it in a way that women are yet. And I hope that it becomes more prevalent in the future. I think one of the big shows that I really like that was able to convey that message a bit, was 13 reasons why I think that they did a really good job um, you know opening up about that issue because it happens so many so much more often than we we think about or we believe and it's not goes unreported because these young men are, are so um, you know stigmatized by it and they're threatened by it as well because usually the perpetrator tells them that they will you know essentially blow their cover and right. and they'll tell everyone and they don't want to communicate about it so I know we digress there but, <laughs> but um, that's
1: another but that is a, another show based on true crime while it may not be based on a specific event it's certainly based on events that we know happen absolutely and i I, we have shared and i think somewhat differing opinions about the depiction of suicide and mental illness in 13 reasons why i'm not really going to get into that i think it does some things well i think it does some things not so well that i disagree with but I still think it's an important show nonetheless because it certainly brings to light issues of mental illness largely brought upon by sexual
0: assault and bullying in high school. Yeah. And hopefully people understanding that, you know, these things are really happening and people don't feel comfortable talking about them and, and what can happen and how it can damage them for the rest of their life. Um, you know, it's tough out there. I would not want to be a teenager these days and have to operate, you know, in that kind of environment. It would be challenging. Yeah, it'd be I'm, very hard. I mean, I when I was in high school, it was hard as it was. But mm-hmm. now cell phone, social media, you know, I mean, it's just so they're so much more mature and they have to deal well. They have to deal with more so many more mature issues, but they're still not there mentally yet. Right. And so it's, they're forced to, the pressure is on them to make decisions that they might not be capable of. And that's really challenging and sad and interesting.
1: I think so too. And I think privacy largely has gone out the window and you have to be especially more careful than ever. And, and teenagers, tweens, are not fully cognitively developed enough and mature enough to know when things are and are not appropriate. Heck, even adults don't have filters when it comes to social media largely. And I, I'm, I've pretty much stopped going on social media. And it was like, everyone says, it's a drug that's hard to quit. But I actually am a happier person since I did quit. I still keep my accounts and I pop on maybe once every few months. I'm starting to get more into Twitter, but I still rarely post and I don't follow people I know personally. I follow news and celebrities and sports because I find you do get a lot of information that way. Yeah, but I, I stay away from the personal interactions because I don't think it's for me. It wasn't good for me. And everyone yeah. might have their own opinions, but I didn't like the feelings and the person that it was making me to be, and mm-hmm. I found it best to just stay away from that. And I think a lot of a lot of kids, teens, and even adults have a hard time separating themselves from that and do get sucked in.
0: Oh yeah, well, people are just plain old mean. There, oh for sure. You know? I uh, my approach to social media is that I don't it doesn't, it's not personal to me at all. Okay. It's great. I, I completely separated from myself, se- separated myself from it. Mm-hmm. Um, I do occasionally use it to message, you know, some of my family with pictures and things yes. like that, but I'm never, I'm very sensitive because we all know by the way, that when you're interviewing for jobs or, mm-hmm. you know, if you're in the public forum, that's the, one of the things that they look at now, it's a criteria for your hiring of course, and so. you're an HR makes a big deal out of it. So I try to be really sensitive. To that, I also use social media occasionally for recruiting. So mm-hmm. again, I, I try to be really sensitive about its use and the kind of information that I convey on it. But um, it's for me, it's usually very, very constructed. You know, I don't, I don't just post stuff up there on a whim. I do think it's interesting when I see. Some people post things like that, personal information that may incriminate them or may actually put them in danger. And uh, and it always makes me cringe. Yeah. You know, like, hey, we're in Puerto Rico for two weeks. You know, our house is empty. Come on in. You know, and it's like, come on, guys. Yeah, be smarter about that. Yeah. Or taking pictures of like their significant other and posting them on Facebook without them knowing. Uh Okay, that's horrible. Uh And I have friends who've done that. Or, you know, unflattering photos, you know, and people think it's funny. It's actually not funny. You know, no, it's an invasion of privacy. Uh, yeah, it is. And um, I, I would like to think that people are more considerate of each other. So I, I'm with you. All
1: right. So we're digressing a little bit, but um, <laughs> this is really just kind of a conversational episode. I thought this was actually kind of fun, but it's an interesting time dealing with interesting topics. We talked about this before. True crime is kind of in the zeitgeist right now on a really popular subject. So we're going to see probably a lot more documentaries and narrative movies and
0: shows that are tackling these subjects. Yeah, looking forward to it. So stay tuned for our next companion episode. We will uh, will surprise you with the content. Um, it'll be something new and fresh and it'll follow our other reps. So stay tuned. Later, Scarlettos. Bye, Scarlettos.